a good day to you. You're listening to Jenny Knipp for Author. You may be relaxing with a cup of tea or coffee, traveling, crafting, working, or exercising. Whatever the case may be, I'm so glad you chose to spend your time with me. Thanks for joining Jenny Kniff for Author and for listening today. Um, I thought I'd share a little bit of an excerpt from my upcoming novel, my third novel um, publishing. It will be out at the end of June, so June 30th um, is the release date for this one. I'm so excited. It's a historical fiction novel with a Christian theme, I would say, you know, in the background, and <clears throat> it really does. Um, just kind of play off that, that the characters' strengths are found in their faith. Um, but this book uh, was particularly challenging for me. I had to do quite a bit of research um, for World War One, which I didn't really know much about. And specifically, since my characters are from Canada, it's, um, you know, Canada's role in World War One, which I knew pretty much nothing about. So um, it was a challenge, but I like a challenge and I love learning about history. Uh, It's one of the reasons I love reading historical fiction and one of the reasons I love writing it too. Um, So the the process for this one is, uh, (laughs) it was quite long (laughs) at the beginning. I had quite a thick book. It's it's about 409 pages now, but I had about four, five, ten pages, 510 pages. Um, so I cut a hundred pages out. That was that was difficult. It was, you know, there were some scenes I didn't want to cut. It's like I liked it, but um, <clears throat> challenges when you get further into a series. It's like, uh, you know, you want all these characters that you loved before to have a voice, but I couldn't really do that in this book. Um, some of the characters from Ruby Moon and Boo Moon do play a little role in this book, but. Um, most of the star characters are um, the children of those characters or, or you know, their friends, <coughs> their contemporaries. Um, so that was, that was a challenge. And one thing I had to really work on in writing this novel is to really decide um, whose point of view I was going to be writing in. I still chose to write in um, third person multiple. And there's, there's quite a bevy of characters, um, but I don't think it's distracting and from readers so far have, have really enjoyed the story. Um, so <laughs> that was a little bit of my process there. And I had a, and a good friend who um, went over it initially and she's the one that really encouraged me to cut some of those extra scenes and really define, you know, who my main characters were going to be and and that's really what made this a better book um, you know in my opinion so it's really important if you're you know an independent author or just a regular published author perhaps um, that you have you know friends and readers who who will tell you what 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 you really need to hear and not just what you want to hear I guess so make sure you surround yourself with at least a few of those kinds of people who will, you know, tell you what you need to hear to make your book better. 
just gonna take a little drink here. Sorry for the pause. So in this scene, um, the first scene I'll be reading from is is from Ashki's perspective. And if you've read any of my books, um, you meet him as a baby in in Ruby Moon, um, and uh, he is playing the role of a soldier here in this story. Um, during World War One, he's located um, kind of uh, you know in Belgium close to the French border too, in, in Flanders there. So um, this portion that I'll be reading is a little bit of um, a scene from the trenches that he's writing. Uh, he keeps a journal, it's like his mom that way, I guess. And it helps him really deal with what he's going through. And you know, I found this to be so true in my own life that gosh, things are so much more manageable when you get when you are allowed to express yourself and you get things out in the open instead of just stuck in your head, um, writing things down really is a therapeutic um, exercise for many things in life. Um, the next scene I'll be reading from is, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, a scene uh, written through Lewis's perspective, and he is the other. Um, He's, I guess I would say, the main, main character since I choose to write in a first-person perspective of his as well. Um, <clears throat> so he's, he's a little bit heavier on the <laughs> important list, I guess, of characters. Um, so to begin with, here we are. April 1916, Western Front. Ashki took up his pencil and wrote before the sun no longer lit his trench sufficiently. He had eaten well tonight, for once. The man had picked off a couple of stray squirrels who weren't smart enough to take cover. Along with the meat and some half-rotten potatoes, they had made a kind of stew. One fellow had had some hardtack biscuits left, which he'd passed around. His heart had just about given out with the news of Mav's last letter. Before he nestled in his foxhole for the night, Ashki set his thoughts down on a wrinkled scrap of stationery. April 12, 1916. My dear Mav, I broke my it broke my heart to hear of Pearl's illness. How terrified you must have been, my love, to see our sweet daughter in the grip of such a malady. I am glad my great aunt was there to help administer some treatment. I would trust Mangikwe with my life. I imagine what our daughter looks like. Hazel eyes, sweet smile, chubby baby face, and a flaming halo of hair like her mother. I dreamt of her last night. We walked hand in hand through the young wheat fields, the green heads parting before us with each step. She was five or six. Pearl kept asking me, Daddy, when will you be home? I had no answer for, for her except that I didn't know, but she kept asking. With each passing question, I aged. By the time we reached the end of the wheat field, I was an old man. She had remained the same, as if outside of time, outside of the governing rules of life. Then she asked me, Daddy, why are you so old? I answered, War has made me age. She turned to me and asked me one more question. Will you be here to watch me grow? I don't know, I said. And I awoke to the sound of weapons firing, burns, 
as, <clears throat> excuse me, and I awoke to the sound of weapons firing. Burns is dead. Shot twice through the heart by a sniper when he tried to advance into the next hole. Remember me writing about Burns? He was the poetic one and could quote whole sections of Robert Burns by heart. For old lang syne, my dear, for old lang syne. We'll take a cup of kindness yet for old lang syne. The verse reminds me in my heart when I think of my fallen friend, resounds in my heart when I think of my fallen friend. I feel like a little of the light around us has been extinguished with his death. I'm so tired of watching good men die. I pray for the chance to watch Pearl grow. All my love, Ashki. It's gonna take a quick um, drink between sections. <clears throat> this next section is um, written from Lewis's perspective. Um, one note about his name, I, I've spelt it L-U-I-S, which I suppose pronounced in, in France in French would be Louis, but I've chosen to just um, call him Louis. <laughs> it's easier for me to say. Um, April 1916, near Lens, France. Louis sat in the carved out shell of a tunnel, which served as his chambers. He was lucky not to be directly in the open trenches, but it made him feel bad. He had a cushier bed than the other men of his platoon. He'd been under Major Lefebvre's command for over a year now. He missed the moving around he'd done as Von Wolf, but nothing else. I wish I could simply stay, Lieutenant Wilson. A questioning voice broke through Lewis's thoughts. Lieutenant Wilson? Yes. He put away his writing things. He couldn't send a letter home, but he had begun to write them as Lieutenant Wilson. He never could as Von Wolf. Someday, maybe someone in his family would look at them. Lewis squinted in the dim light to see who it was. Ah, Private Nelson. Lewis's troop consisted of a mix of British and Canadian men. He kept himself from forming a bond with anyone, which was wise for an officer in command, but he liked most of the men. There wasn't a bad egg among them. Sir, Private Reynold Nelson stood at attention for a moment. Lewis stood and saluted, yes, Private Nelson. Ronald Nelson scuffed his feet a bit and hemmed and hawed before addressing the reason for his disruption. Well, y'all see, I've been waiting for leave. I was told that was coming up. He tipped his head. See, there's this girl. Of course, there's always a girl. Yes, Private, I'm aware of your coming status. One week, been here quite some time now. It's well-deserved, I'm sure. Lewis finished, tucking his papers back in his leather satchel and turned his attention to the dirty but good-looking lad in front of him. Can you give me a date, sir? Lewis sighed internally and rifled through his calendar. He found Nelson's name in a list of men to go on leave starting next week. Next Friday, Private, Lewis said. Fine, fine. Private Nelson's grin just about split his chin off. Thank you, Lieutenant Wilson, sir. He stood at attention and saluted crisply. Lewis tapped his hat to his head in recognition, and Nelson turned and excited as and exited, excuse me, as quickly as he'd come. Lewis heard his shout of Yahoo from outside. It's all pedals in the wind, Nelson, just pedals in the wind, Lewis told the exuberant lad in his thoughts. How easily happiness floated away, like spent flowers. There one day and gone the next. 
while Lewis wouldn't begrudge him his taste of it. Lewis thought back to his brief, stolen, happy moments with Gretchen. He hadn't allowed himself to think of her in months, but her memory rose to meet him again. He could almost smell her scent in the air, like the floral orange scent of Neroli. I have to bury her and leave her there, Lewis encouraged himself. He didn't have the luxury of mourning, of grieving what he'd lost. He had a job to do. Decisively, Lewis tucked his satchel under his arm and went to find Major Lefevre. He needed to know how to proceed. Wilson? The Major looked away from his reflection in the chipped scrap of mirror hanging on the planked wooden supports of the trench wall. His hand was poised an inch away from his face, a razor blade in his grip, and soap lathered on one cheek. A small wash basin of foamy water stood on a ledge alongside the mirror. Sorry, sir. The Major went back to his shaving. Well? Ah, uh, are there any new directives yet, sir? Major Lefevre slowly scraped the razor under his chin and spoke to the mirror. As it happens, I plan to speak with you this morning. He carefully finished cutting the last bit of stubble from his face and used a nearby towel to wipe off the excess soap trails. He turned and looked Lewis full in the face. Your choice, Wilson. Von Wolf again, or Lieutenant Wilson, permanently. A line of sweat started to beat up under Lewis's collar. What are you saying, sir? Can I finally put Von Wolf behind me? He hoped so. Major Lefevre tilted his head to the left and raised his shoulder at the same time. Well, just as I said, Wilson, choose where you want to serve. I've been watching you these last weeks. You're good with the men, a fine leader. I'd hate to lose you to the other side, but there's something in you which seems not to be quite satisfied, I think. At heart, this is not who you are. Am I right? Lefevre raised his eyebrows, his face set like he'd already knew Lewis's response. Lewis felt his hope wick away like kerosene in a lit lamp. The truth settled in him like, in him like lead. The Major's right. This is not who I am anymore. He'd been feeling unsettled. He thought it was just memories of Gretchen, well, Nicole. It turned out he had never really known her either. And apparently he didn't even know his own heart. Someone else had to tell him his identity. He had become good at being a spy. It was what he knew, what he did, who he was. I hate it, but I, I think you're right. This is not where I can serve the best. Lewis looked around the hole before settling on the Major's eyes. I'm not really Lieutenant Wilson, he paused and said the dreaded truth. I'm Lieutenant Gunther von Wolf. I want you to be sure. I'll give you another month to decide, and that time will establish exactly how you can leak us information, what your task will be, and how we can get get you back to the spot we want you in. We need an outlay of their trenches. We need to press them back. They've been waiting for the right moment to take higher vantage points of the area from, from us. We need to strike before they do. Something lodged in Lewis's brain. If I go back, under whose authority will it be? Mine, Wilson, mine. Lewis had guessed right. Major Lefevre planned a rogue tactic and Lewis would be part of it. He acknowledged the fact, yes, sir. Go, get the men drilling down, Drilling now, Lieutenant. We must stay active and sharp, Lefevre saluted Lewis. Yes, sir, Lewis followed suit, turned on his heel and went to do his duty, at least for one more month. <laughs> so there's a little picture of 
the main character, Lewis, in his, um, uh, he becomes a spy and is kind of coerced into it, I guess. And um, it's not a choice that he uh, relishes later on, but he realizes in this portion of the book that it's kind of who he's become, um, almost beyond his own control, so to speak. But um, part of the part of the reason I love Lewis's character is he has so many things he struggles with, and I think that's a part of normal life. And I like that when that's represented in a book character because it makes them more real. I think, um, and this is just one area he struggles with his identity of who he's become. He's this new Lieutenant von Wolf. Um, he's become a spy in the German army, and uh, but yet he's still this man, Lewis Wilson, you know, artist and um, kind of a, uh, I guess like a an artsy kind of person, but kind of poetic at heart, I suppose. Um, he's just totally different than this other person he's become as a spy and it's very contrary and it's conflicting to him and it's become a battle of its own and um, I just think he's a really interesting character and I'm just you know it's sometimes characters just develop like out of their own like out of the blue and um, Lewis was kind of like that in a lot of ways um, so met him as a little boy in Blue Moon but in Silver Moon he he comes into his own. <laughs> so thanks so much for listening. Um, again, my book will be released June 30th. Um, the paperback uh, will come out then, but you can also order, uh, pre-order the Kindle for $2.99 on Amazon. And then it will also be available through Kindle Direct. Um, so, uh, I mean, yeah, I, you know, the, the free Kindle book version. So, uh, yeah, thanks so much for listening. This is Jenny, signing off at Jenny Kinnip for Author Podcasts. Thank you so much for listening. I hope something I've said has resonated with you and encouraged or blessed you on your particular path. Remember, despite your circumstances, you can choose to make it a beautiful day. Mm-hmm.